The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. All right, Greg. When are illegal drugs good for your mental health? I thought we already talked about this. We might have, but we got more to talk about. A new study published in Nature Medicine shows that for people suffering with severe PTSD, the benefit of talk therapy could be greatly improved with an unlikely drug, MDMA, popularly known as ecstasy. Everyone said PTSD can't be cured. I'm living proof that that isn't true. MDMA itself, best known as the active ingredient in ecstasy, wasn't actually criminalized until the mid-1980s. This morning, the Drug Enforcement Administration is announcing its intention to place the drug known as MDMA under emergency controls in Schedule 1. In fact, it was a gay club in Dallas, Texas, that was kind of really well known for kind of being the hub of uh, ecstasy culture in the mid-80s. And as you can probably imagine, a, um, a representative from Texas heard about this, kind of freaked out. In Dallas, hidden federal drug enforcement agency cameras were rolling for the first designer drug bust following an emergency ban on the substance known as ecstasy. Dallas police and federal drug agents seized a total of 4,000 tablets with an estimated street value of $100,000. It sounds like if what you just said was it was a gay club in Dallas during the 80s where they were doing ecstasy, that's all the things Texas is afraid of. Exactly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, they, these cowboys are having way too much fun in there. <laughs> like, we gotta shut this down. I'm Greg Glaude. I'm Clayton Ingram. And this is The War on Drugs. Greg, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Clayton. You good? Good day. 
Yeah. Beautiful day in Atlanta today. Having a good time. I'm liking your city. Yes. Atlanta, I hope it's been treating you right. I know the Uber ride was a little... You know, traumatizing. Yeah, we won't. We we can. We won't get into it. But yeah, there was. She uh, did most of her driving looking back at you. Yeah, a lot of picture sharing, <laughs> um, looking at me, and just bumper to bumper Atlanta traffic. A little, little, little death defying, but yeah, yeah, we're good yeah. now. I already know what we're talking about today, but I'm gonna ask you before you know we get anybody here. Okay. You ever been to uh, you know a rave like a real rave like one of them in the warehouse? I dabbled. Yeah, I've I've been to. I've been to one I've never or two. Been really, I really? want to go. I've been to some events that felt raveish. Yeah, but they weren't raves. So, did you do the whole thing? Did you participate? Did you take any substances while you were there? I don't want to get you in trouble. No, nah, I don't know because well, <laughs> you know I, I'm. They just assume I do everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I I, I got to keep the cute, clean cut <clears throat> profile here. Um, I'll I'll say no. Um, did not participate, and I think you know we're talking about like Molly and ecstasy and yeah, yeah, and things MDMA. like that. But I I know I've you know there's I've definitely always been curiosity just working in this field on effects, and there's definitely people rolling um, around me. Um, yeah, look like they're having a good time. Uh, yeah, some people do. Yeah, some yeah. people do. Is I've done I've done a few things before. Yeah. And, yeah, the closest I've been to a rave was a comic book convention. That oh, talk about talk Dragon about Con. Yeah, and I was I might have ate some mushrooms. Some mushrooms might have ate me. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> at this point, right? It's cool because it's like nerd Mardi Gras, and it's also like that thing they told you, like you know, when you do drugs, you're gonna see all the cartoon yeah. characters, and they're gonna come. That's the closest you're ever gonna get to it, because the their cartoon characters. Everybody's everywhere. dressed yeah. up in these in these like the Joker was the DJ at the party. <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. Like Batman wasn't even trying to break his neck. Like <laughs> Batman was like had a little Dancing head. Nod. I was like, oh man, he fist pumping. Yeah. That's crazy. Like yeah, nah. So I've had some good experiences with some of those things, but I think you know uh, our guest today is gonna tell us about a whole nother way of. Maybe some of these same substances being used for, you know, the benefit. Not that I didn't benefit from that night. I had a good time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I might have took home a poison ivy or something. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. Might have smoked some poison ivy? Yeah, yeah might have hey, hey, man. <laughs> she would be a great weed smoker's girlfriend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She make, seems very ride or die, yeah, too. Make yeah, make plants grow bigger yeah. immediately. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're not just for that. And that's kind of, you know, they've been stigmatized in that way that, you know, kind of psychedelics, Molly, MDMA, that they're yeah. only for just, like, partying and the overdoses that have occurred from it and all this other stuff. But, yeah, our guest, um, you know, Ismail Ali is, you know, going to talk to us. He works at MAPS, which is a organization that What's specializes— for again? Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with maps on that. But yeah, yeah call it maps. Yeah. I just <laughs> no, but yeah, we had to get the the Christian name out. Yeah, because uh, you know, I'll I'll say it, and then you know, because I learned so much stuff from you. Yeah, but I don't learn all of it. Like I'll learn the name, like maps, and then somebody I'll talk about it in the real world. Somebody be like, "What does that stand for?" And I'm like, "Look, man." Just listen to Just what listen else to, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah, you can Google it later. Yeah, yeah. you know I need flashcards to keep up with some of this stuff. It's yeah, I, it's it's a lot. I, I I do love this stuff though because it's so funny. Like bringing the stuff that you're just interested about, like in life, and then you hear hear about like this and how they're using like the same stuff that you know is the rave scene to potentially cure PTSD. 
I right. mean, that's nuts. And all these other things with, you know, severe depression and anxiety and all the other uses for it. It's it's fascinating. Um, and then you read about how we were getting so close to maybe being able to utilize this in a medical field like in the 70s. And then just like everything else, you know, the war on drugs kind of just overtakes it. And instead yeah. of a couple bad things happen where you have an overdose here or something else there, an ABC News report comes out. And then everyone's just terrified of this stuff. And the first inclination is just criminalize it, make the penalties really strong. And, you know, just it cuts off every medical use. And now you're learning the stuff that MAPS is doing, potentially curing PTSD, particularly in combat veterans and other people. And you just think, like, how many lives could have been either saved, you know, literally or just like, you know, metaphysically where they're just like gone through depression their whole life through this. And we have just decided this substance is no longer going to be able to be utilized for this. So the fact that they're doing this stuff and hopefully moving towards being able to use this in a clinical, you know, field would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you're saying being able to cure PTSD. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever even heard people talk about curing it. Like, you know, there's, right, keeping I it feel contained. like treatment yeah. and, you know, you can get you a little medicine or something and just try to subdue it. But right. like curing it, that's, yeah. yeah. And with that being said, heard enough from us. Let's hear from Ismail himself. Let's get it. Ismail, I cannot wait to dive into everything that we're going to talk about today, but uh, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm great. looking forward to having this conversation with you guys. Yeah, glad to have you. Ismail, um, you know, I'm very familiar with what MAPS does. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today um, about everything that you all are doing. But for our listeners, um, you know, Talk a little bit about the history of maps. What's your core vision and goals, and and what do you all yeah you know, what do you all do? Yeah, it's it's helpful to know about kind of some of the basic history of the war on drugs to understand the history of maps. So many people are familiar with the passing of the Controlled Substances Act in the early 1970s, and then the calling of the war on drugs. What fewer people know is that um, MDMA itself, best known as the active ingredient in ecstasy, wasn't actually criminalized until the mid 1980s. Um, it was sort of rediscovered in the lab um, in the late 70s and then kind of utilized in the underground in a semi-unregulated context as, a th- as an adjunct to therapy for couples and other people in the late 70s and early 80s. And it wasn't until MDMA kind of, you could say, broke out of the therapist's office uh, in the mid-80s and started getting sold in clubs uh, that the kind of criminalization actually started. And in fact, it was it was a club in Dallas, Texas, a gay club in Dallas, Texas, that was kind of really well known for kind of being the hub of uh, ecstasy culture in the mid 80s. And as you can probably imagine, a, um, a representative from Texas heard about this, kind of freaked out and then kind of petitioned the DEA to emergency schedule MDMA. So after a couple, that was 1984, 1985. MAPS was actually founded in 1986 as a response to what was eventually the Schedule One kind of placement of MDMA after this emergency scheduling process. Literally, wow. Clayton, it feels just like deja vu. Like every, we've talked about, you know, marijuana, cocaine, all these other things. It's like some bad things happen where people, you know, abuse the substance. Mm-hmm. Experts come out and suggest like one way to do something about it. Like, hey, we should make it a schedule three. There's certain things or we should decriminalize. And then the government just says, ah, fuck that. We know better than you all. Let's totally. just make it a yeah. crime and yeah. increase penalties somebody, as much as really possible. Somebody gets scared. And it sounds like if what you just said was it was a gay club in Dallas during the 80s where they were doing ecstasy, that's all the things Texas is afraid of. <laughs> Exactly. Do you understand what I'm exactly. saying? Like they, these exactly. cowboys are having way too much fun in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Like, we got to shut this down. And actually, wow. it's funny because I had a friend who was at some of those clubs in their early 80s. I found out recently. I've known her for years. And she was like, yeah, they used to sell it over the counter in, in 1982. And I was like, wow. Oh, okay, wow. Imagine yeah. being able to go up to a bar, just get a, a pill of good ecstasy, not not cut, you know, not the stuff that you find now on the street, but like really... Anyway, that's maybe yeah, you need to right. there. <laughs> I'll take two vodka sodas, uh, another tab, and let's let's yeah, call it a day. Because you know, <laughs> you know, I feel like black people didn't know about ecstasy until mm-hmm. about the two thousands. I feel like from mm-hmm. my group of people, we saw white people going crazy. We didn't know what was going on. We saw y'all with Vicks Vapor Rub on your face, or you know they might be rollerblading with glow sticks, and we were like, "What like, are that they doesn't doing?" Look like weed. Yeah. yeah. What are yeah. they doing? And then around 2000, we were like, "Oh, that's what they were doing." Like, <laughs> well, well, it's my kind of on that. What we see also is just communities and people that could really benefit from these substances are essentially left out in the dark because they're either you know they're criminally enforced, and then also the research aspects of it. And so I think people really do think of you know, MDMA and other psychedelics like that are just party drugs, things that people just want to do because they, you know, want to have a good time. It has nothing to do with any treatment or health. A lot of that's because of the rhetoric and fear that we've been put into. I remember the Just Say No to Drugs commercials and all this other stuff. Like, I remember being scared. I'd see those things. Someone would take a tab and then five minutes later, they'd be dead in the street. And, you know, it's like, well, this is... Oh, what was the... Remember they used to say taking ecstasy puts holes in your brain? Yeah. Wasn't that the... That That was actually a claim made, I think, on Oprah's show in 2001. Um, There was some, there were, there was, uh, I would say misinterpreted uh, scans of the brain. And there were actually two things that were happening at the same time. One, there was a really well-known kind of scandal in the early 2000s where it became clear that a bunch of the studies that were supposedly using MDMA were actually using methamphetamine. Um, And exactly as you said, there was another study that showed where the activity of the brain was when something was happening. And they interpreted that as it took ice cream scoops out of the brain because certain parts of the brain were shut off. Now, ironically, we know that shutting off some of those parts of the brain when the substance is in your system is actually one of the ways that it has a therapeutic benefit. Yeah, what does therapy look like for this? I do think people just have that perception that, you know, you take it and you sit in some room and you kind of think about some stuff and dance and listen to some great music and then just try to figure things out. But obviously there's, it's it's not that. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the therapy either with MDMA or ketamine that we've been hearing about, just kind of like 30,000 foot, what does that actually look like? And and what are some of those benefits that we're seeing? Yeah, sure. So so I'll talk, I'll talk really broadly and then I'll get a little bit more specific. So first off, with respect to psychedelic therapy in particular, um, one of the ways that it's helpful to characterize psychedelic therapy, so that's any therapeutic intervention with any of these psychedelic substances, psychedelics being uh, LSD and mushrooms and DMT, and in the slightly less obvious definition, drugs like MDMA and ketamine, generally the way they tend to work has to do less with symptom management, which is the way a lot of other psychiatric or psychiatric medications work, where they're trying to adjust different um, levels of certain receptors in the brain to kind of neutralize or mitigate certain extreme or highly limited emotional reactions. That's how a lot of like SSRIs work. A lot of the current kind of psychological, pharmaceutical interventions that we have now tend to work through a symptom management framework. And that works well for some people. It really doesn't work well for others, but it, but it, it's, you know, this isn't to say that those never work or they're not good. They just work for a limited number of people in a certain number of cases, right? The way that psychedelic therapy tends to work is kind of the opposite, actually. It kind of opens up channels internally within the psyche to have more contact with the thing that's happening, whether that's a trauma or a depression. In some ways, 
um, it's almost like an exposure therapy for the mind where it's saying like, okay, it's going to change the way that your mind approaches a certain problem. It's going to put certain guardrails in place and it's going to allow you to look directly at the problem and work with the problem in a way that kind of reduces or removes the underlying issue instead of just trying to manage the symptoms at the top. And the reason that's important is because it's a little bit more, I, I don't like to compare it to surgery necessarily, but it's a little bit more of a procedure. It's not just like you take a pill every day and you do it. It's more like you have the intervention and it allows you to get really deep into the trauma or the particular issue that you're dealing with and then kind of see it, you know, how to heal it at the root. And with MDMA therapy in particular, kind of going back to the ice cream scoop thing, it actually completely or significantly reduces the activity in the amygdala, which is the part of the brain that um, regulates fear. So what it does is that it puts the brain into a state of having less fear or not being able to feel the same kind of fear that it might, some people call it fear extinction. Um, and as a result of that, it allows people to kind of relate to what might be a very traumatic memory, a memory that their brain has otherwise created all kinds of ways to get around and to avoid in a way that doesn't feel the same fear and then rebuild the pathways to that memory. So it doesn't have the same traumatic effect. Some people call it as a colloquialism, um, memory reconsolidation. It's a way to think about how do you rearrange your relationship with your memory? Of course, that's a really hard process. I like to remind people, especially when I'm in my advocacy role, that psychedelic therapy, whether it's with MDMA or other drugs is actually not that fun. <laughs> and it's actually very hard because it's actually, while it does, you know, you do have the support from the substance and from the therapist that are with you to um, kind of be there with that memory. It's still hard to deal with your own trauma and it's still a hard, difficult process. But as a result, people often, not always, but often feel like when they go through that process, it's actually more empowering because it's them working through their own work with some support um, at, to come out on the other side in a way that allows them to kind of live their lives in a different way. I'm glad you said that it's work and it's it's yeah. not easy because uh, I think, you know, when most people probably hear it, I think some of the people are going to think automatically, like you said, celebratory party drug, what benefit could it be? And I think other people are like, oh, all I got to do is <laughs> take MDMA and I'm going to be good. It's like, no, you're going to have to deal with those things. And everything that you kind of make, said made sense about like it extinguishes fear it does that mm -hmm. in in a party setting too for sure you know you, you'll start talking to people you would never talk to before you right. dancing your ass off you know what i'm saying like <laughs> we have a few bills to pay so we're gonna go to a couple commercials right now Hi, I'm Jason Flom, CEO and founder of Lava for Good Podcasts, home to Bone Valley, Wrongful Conviction, The War on Drugs, and many other great podcasts. Today, we're asking you, our listeners, to take part in a survey. Your feedback is going to help inform how we make podcasts in the future. Your complete and candid answers will help us continue to bring you more insightful and inspiring stories about important topics that impact us all. So please, go to lavaforgood.com survey and participate today. Thank you for your support. The War on Drugs podcast is sponsored by Stand Together. Stand Together is a philanthropic community that partners with America's boldest change makers to tackle the root causes of our country's biggest problems. The Libertas Institute is working to solve one of those problems and is fighting for common sense reform in Utah. Right now, 29% of adults are experiencing mental health challenges in Utah, where the suicide rate is also one and a half times the national average. 
Psilocybin, the psychoactive substance naturally found in mushrooms, is considered by some of the most renowned medical facilities in the world to be one of the most promising sources of hope for people experiencing depression where traditional medication has failed. Even though it's safe and effective, psilocybin remains classified as a Schedule I drug under federal law. Our neighbors who have not found hope with current treatments should not have to choose between potentially life-saving medication and incarceration. The Libertas Institute is working to change state law so that patients can use psilocybin under the supervision of a therapist. To learn more about Stand Together, their partners, or how you can partner with Stand Together, go to standtogether.org. Okay, so you kind of explained the overview of what the therapy, what the goal is, and what you're trying to do, but... um. What is it like? What does it look like once you're in there with the therapist and you tripping? I'm, I don't know if that's the right word, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. how does the MDA therapy treatment? How long does it last? Like, yeah, I'm I'm curious about that too. Yeah, yeah. sure. Clayton tripping is actually the scientific term that we yeah. use. So, is it? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I better, it better not see that in any scientific paper. <laughs> so the way that the MDMA assisted therapy works, and I'll, I'll clarify now that the indication that we are currently researching it for is post-traumatic stress disorder. And practically speaking, that means that a lot of the people that we work with, of course, have been veterans who've been to uh, who've, who've dealt with both war and moral injury, um, as well as people who've survived physical or sexual assault or accidents or kind of other related things. So the way that it works, though, is right now our protocol has it's about 12 to 15 sessions, um, only two to three of which actually utilize MDMA. So you have three preparatory sessions, which are basically normal talk therapy sessions in which you know, a person is building a relationship with a therapist. And in, in the case of the MDMA therapy modality specifically, there's actually a, a two therapist team, a co-therapist team. So two people who are uh, collaborating on the care of this particular person. There's three sessions that the two of them have. And then they'll have a six to eight, eight hour long session um, that's with the medicine. And in that situation, in that case, it's usually what we call a self-directed process. The therapists are not um, imposing their own worldviews on you. They're not trying to like, they might like, you know, ask questions or based on those first few sessions, help you deepen your own relationship to whatever the issue is that you want to work on. But the reason we kind of focus on self-directed therapy in the sense that we kind of, the therapists are kind of there to reflect the empathy that comes out of the MDMA back toward you. So you can then kind of utilize that compassion and empathy on yourself, which is a huge part of especially trauma treatment. A lot of that, it often looks like self-forgiveness and other things like that. So they'll have the three preparatory set, three or four preparatory sessions. They'll have the medicine assisted sessions, and then they'll have a couple or a handful of integration sessions. And those sessions, again, are short, normal, you know, one hour long sessions where the patient is then talking through what they've learned in that longer session with the medicine to integrate that into their lives and see what can they learn from that? How do they grow from that? Where were they stuck, et cetera? And then they might do that whole process again, and then maybe, maybe one more time. Right now, our phase three protocol only has up to three MDMA-assisted sessions with the pre and post kind of prep and integration sessions that are occurring before and after. So what that basically looks like is a two to three month long procedure where you have multiple sessions, only a couple or a few of which are you know, have medicine assisted as part of those sessions. And the therapists are really there 
to kind of guide your process into yourself. What's the efficacy of this treatment compared to, you know, current, um, you know, therapy, you know, particularly for treating uh, PTSD? You had mentioned that you guys are doing studies right now. Just talk through a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, yeah. So the the phase two trial that we did, which was published at the end of 2016, showed a um, 62% um, that 62% of the people who went through the trial no longer qualified for having PTSD at the end of that trial. And what I thought was really interesting about that is that the one-year follow-up, that number actually increased to 68%, which to me, wow. I think shows really the effectiveness, not just of the drug, but of the empowerment and of the value that the experience has for people to then make changes in their own lives. And I think that's a key piece here where we're not trying to get people dependent on another drug. We're really trying to make sure that people can figure out how to empower themselves to make the decisions that they need. So that that's that's one like teach a man key to data fish. point. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. And you you, you kind yourself. of like put some sail in their you know put some wind in their sail, sail in their right. sail, a wind in their sails to, <laughs> to kind of move them forward and support them in kind of building their own life independently of like having to be dependent on anything necessarily. And that, if I'm not mistaken, our phase three result there was a similar efficacy. I think it was 66 percent from that one. So it's it's pretty it's pretty impressive compared to other modalities, especially because it's not like an ongoing thing. And I think that's partially a testament to. The, the mechanism that it works. Of course, that doesn't mean that people come out like totally healed and cured. People still struggle. People still have a lot of issues that they have to deal with because life is happening. But there's no question that for a good number of people, when they're working with a particular trauma, they do tend to benefit from that modality in a way that's different from the way they might from other kinds of modalities. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I'm reading from um, the study that two months after the final session, about two-thirds of people who received mm -hmm. MDMA-assisted therapy no longer met the diagnostic criteria for PTSD compared with exactly. one-third of those who received the placebo. So that's on that third uh, trial that you're talking about, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked about in kind of the, the PTSD realm. Mm -hmm. What other, you know, therapeutic uses do you see either that have been studied or um, do you feel like would translate very effectively? I remember, like, Clay, we actually we were talking about it before. Like, I, I don't know if it's just like TV shows and things like that, but I felt like therapists back in like the 60s, 70s would give it to like married couples to like yeah, sort out their stuff during like counseling and things that. like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. like marriage. Because I used to always say about MDMA, like nobody needs to feel that good. <laughs> but if you feel that bad, maybe you do need to feel that good to get you brought out of however you're feeling. So, yeah, but we were talking about like counseling before, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's hilarious, actually, because, you know, it, 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 it kind of depends on your on your framework, too, because it's like, you know, like, is it OK that people feel good? We also as kind of a side note, we have we have a bit of a fear of pleasure in our country. That's another kind of another part of the Puritan so kind of thing where yeah. it's like, oh, people aren't allowed to feel good. Like, don't don't think that your healing can feel good. It has to be hard work. And people are it's hard for people to imagine they can be both hard work and feel good at the same time. I have um, that. It's like true. something tastes too <laughs> yeah. good or something like that. I'm like, well, this is this. This got to be bad. Yeah, it can't work. Okay. Yeah, it's not gonna work. Yeah, it's gotta be all painful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, so there's a couple. What I'll do maybe right now is list off some of the um, the different um, indications that not the MDMA, but also other psychedelics are being studied for. 
Um, and, you know, it's important to clarify that people are studying these. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's effective for all these things. So you're absolutely right, by the way, first off. So MDMA itself was totally utilized for couples counseling in the late 70s and early 80s. That was one of the first kind of um, indications or first kind of methods that it was used to um, to bring in, to, to, tr to treat people uh, in the underground or like in the kind of pre-regulated era, you could say. Um, and today there's probably a dozen different indications that MDMA itself is being studied for. I know that studies that we've conducted include end-of-life anxiety, um, social anxiety for adults with autism. And I think that with psychedelics more broadly, including psilocybin, LSD, you're also seeing treatment for alcoholism, um, various forms of depression, various forms of anxiety. Um, I think that one of the most interesting things that I've seen so far is the use of certain psychedelic substances, including psilocybin, for example, but also Ibogaine um, and others, as a treatment for different forms of addiction and dependency. So there's a few really well-known studies about psilocybin for smoking cessation, tobacco smoking cessation, which I think is quite interesting. And, and psilocybin, more, just for uh, mushrooms. Exactly, psilocybin being the active ingredient in mushrooms. And I think that, that that's something that really breaks people's brains, the possibility of using drugs to get people off of drugs. Um, there's this, there's, there's this meme that's basically like, eventually you get to the point where it's not just your parents or society telling you to stop doing drugs. It's the drugs that are telling you to stop doing drugs. And, and right. I think that's funny because, because like it, it, it really is about this kind of perception that when you do deep reflective work with yourself and you have access to your own kind of spiritual or emotional body, that what you get told by yourself is how to be in better balance and balance looks like a lot of different things for different people, but ultimately balance is and kind of wholeness or holisticness is a way that people look at how do I be less dependent on things? How do I use fewer coping mechanisms? Another way that people are looking at this is through the frame of group therapy. Not everyone heals in a one-on-one -on -one context. So bringing in group therapy, community therapy, I myself have done some really deep work with certain medicines with my family, with multiple members and generations of my family. After my mother passed away in 2013, I've been doing work with my family for the last almost 10 years to really work through our grief as a collective. Yeah, I, I love the family therapy aspect. Yeah, my family therapy was always just huck it deep down inside and never speak about it again. Uh, <laughs> and then just lash out randomly at people you love for no apparent reason. Uh, Very healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly healthy. Yeah. I'm incredibly American well way. for it. Yeah, no. that's a good old-fashioned American <laughs> Irish way there. Yeah, Ismail, this has been absolutely amazing. I, I've really, really enjoyed this talk. And, you know, yeah, like you said, the only thing that's I mean, yeah, it's just like that, you know, I think we were almost at a point to get this uh, so much further along. Um, and the fact yeah. that we're still kind of in this trial stages is, is probably very frustrating to you as well, seeing the efficacy of it. But hopefully, I mean, the work that you all are doing is, is the only reason that this is really hopefully going to get out there and we can get this to a larger scale as, as time moves 62%, on. 62%, yeah, right? Of severe PTSD. That's big. It's amazing. That's Steph, Curry, amazing. That's Steph Curry on a great night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's winning. Yeah, yeah, so thank you again. This has been terrific, and uh, we hope to speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your questions and my time with you guys. Clayton wasn't cheap to get, so we had to cut a couple commercials. We'll be right back. <laughs> Somebody got to pay me. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. 
I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Clayton, we love origin stories on this show. Hey, man, this show is one big origin story. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I have the origin story of MDMA, um, kind of the modern day use of it. So it was made like in the 19... Tenzer. That far and, back? Yeah, they didn't really know what to do with it. And then finally, this man who's known as like the godfather of uh, ecstasy, he was the first person to kind of like figure out um, like the kind of the therapeutic uses of it. So 1912 is when it was actually invented, but no one could really do anything with it. And it now, probably wasn't fun in 1912. It wasn't no glow sticks. No. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they, you know, they probably didn't even have vapor rub like that yet. Yeah, what are you supposed to, yeah, some guy on a violin, you're vibing to it. Like, I don't right. know. It doesn't the hit music, the same way. It's not It's not no bass dropping, yeah. nothing. Yeah. And so, yeah, Ann Shulgin and Alexander Shulgin, they were the first people to, fi- they didn't invent ecstasy, but they were the first people to figure out, like, this could be used in therapy and very effectively, either PTSD, couples counseling, things like that. Like, okay. they did all this. So ecstasy at this point is legal. Um, and so they're doing these things, but also on the side, they were inventing new drugs. Hold yeah. on, break that down for people. So kind of like moving around a certain molecule or yeah. taking something out is how. So yeah, they would develop, like literally invent uh, and experiment with hundreds of psychedelic drugs that, you know, he and she would concoct in their laboratory in California. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, they call themselves psychonauts. They would have like 
little doses of these things that they concocted. Okay. And then they would, like, bring their friends over. Not bad friends to have. Good friends. Yeah. Most friends come over and use up your drug. Right. And if they're inviting you over to try new drugs, like, that's crazy that they just whip up drugs and try them on their friends. Yeah, it's nuts. I think they said that she's done, like, 2,000, you know, psychedelic trips in her life, and their husband did 4,000. That seems like a pretty big fish. That's, that's yeah. Will Chamberlain numbers. Yeah. When, when did you have time? <laughs> My psychedelic trips last for hours. You must have been, like, on a double. Yeah. Clocked in. He literally, in 95, he's like, inventing new psychoactive drugs um, is like composing new music. That's what he said, you know. And so these people were on the cutting edge um, of what they're doing. Yeah. And then it was, you know, banned in 1985. They finally made ecstasy a Schedule One drug. Um, and a lot of that research and a lot of that development from a therapeutic use was just, it's gone. Right. Um, kind of up until, you know, MAPS have been able to do what they're doing with a very, you know, narrowed exception um, you know, through that. So the treatment and therapy that we're seeing again in that medical setting, like literally cure people of severe PTSD. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm happy Anne was able to see, you know, the work, I'm sure she was aware of the work that MAPS was doing. And so like before she passed, to actually see like this start to come back yeah. and like, hopefully she, she passed with hope that a new generation could potentially kind of see her and her husband's like life work. Yeah, man. Shout through. out to yeah. Anne. And I hope she left some of them recipes somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe her tombstone has a recipe on it. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you follow the War on Drugs podcast so you don't miss any new episodes or any of our quick fix bonus content. And we'll be back next week with another episode of War on Drugs. Until then, Thank you for listening. Executive producers for War on Drugs are Jason Flom and Kevin Wordis. Senior producer is Michael Epstein. Editing by Nick Massetti and Michael Epstein. Associate producer and mix and mastering by Nick Massetti. Additional production by Jeff Clyburn and Anna McEntee. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Lava for Good. You can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Glod, and you can follow Clayton English on Instagram at Clayton English. The War on Drugs is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number 1. I'm your host, Clayton English. And I'm Greg Glad. And thanks for listening to the War on Drugs Podcast. of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.